Hi, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 17 of the Yacking Podcast. This is where we talk about life, business, and more. We bring you tips and ideas for a changing world, and the world is really changing right at the moment. As usual, we have another very interesting guest for you today, but first let me welcome my co-host down in Kitchener, Ontario, Kathleen Beauvais. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? Hello, Peter. I'm very well. How is everyone? We're good up here. I'm going to let you take it away. (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us and tuning in. We so appreciate you. Uh, Yes, we have a special guest with us today. Her name is Joanne Nesbitt. Joanne, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, first of all, for, for even having me on the show. I'm so honored. And um, you, you talk to me about my life. Where do I begin? <laughs> uh, you know, I have been so fortunate. Uh, I was born to a coal miner and a, my mother was a tobacco factory, factory worker. And, um, you know, when you come from poor beginnings, I never realized I was poor. But when you come from poor beginnings, you understand a lot. And I was so fortunate because I've had so many mentors who've helped me along in life. And I just feel then when I wrote my book that I had to keep paying it forward. And um, I was driven by that, met, that, that methodology to pay forward um, what the sailors told me um, and, and did something for them because people have done something for me all my life and they've been there for me. Um, I don't know if that tells you something about me. It, it does. And I know Kathleen's got some more questions lined up for you, but I want to throw a quick one in. Just um, re- reading on your, your website, you said you'd moved 17 times in 14 years. And I, I've lived on <laughs> in four different countries and moved. I'm not sure if it's 17 times. It's a lot. But I think you moved more <laughs> in a short space of time than I did. How did you manage that? What were the challenges? Well, my husband was in the United States Navy. And it seemed like every time he got an assignment, it was always cross-country. And so we had 17 different addresses in 14 years. I thought it was fantastic because I never had to worry about deep housekeeping and cleaning the house because we got <laughs> up and moved. So everything was cleaned all the time. <laughs> so, but we did have an adventure in doing so. I have two sons who wondered how they were going to expose their children to what we've exposed them to. There were so many sites to see, so many things to do, and so many people to meet. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Wherever we go, we always have a friend. Yes, I bet you do. Kathleen? So, so Joanne, tell us a little bit. I mean, you're an author, and you, you began writing an incredible book on soldiers and Agent Orange and their traumatic experiences. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to write this book? Wow. You know, um, a lot of times I wonder in my life, why me? Why was I chosen? Why did God chose me to be the spokesperson? Um, And I guess I I still haven't found the answer. But um, what happened was my husband, we were married for 50 years. And he was uh, dying from Agent Orange. I'm from, I'm sorry, from uh, stage four lung cancer. And um, I had been a college president of a medical school uh, where we did a lot. There was a lot. I have 250 doctors that reported to me. So I knew a lot about medicine. I kept on saying to him, were you exposed to Agent Orange? 
is there something the matter? Because I was looking at what was happening to him and I couldn't believe it. So um, in, in the meantime, um, I took care of him for three years. He was supposed to live um, 24 hours and we passed that. And then he was supposed to live two months. And then I got him to live three years. And wow. he had a very good life. And um, so I was very proud of that, that he got to experience that. Um, but in the meantime, I kept on asking him, where were you? Where were you? So just before he died, four days before he died, he signed a, cl signed a claim um, to, um, for the government. And um, I start, started to, I wanted to see where the ship was. So I started to ask questions. I interviewed about 50 sailors on board. All I wanted to do was to put the ship in brown water because you see the United, the United States doesn't give any kind of benefits to sailors. They give them to Marines, Air Force, any of those that have boots on the ground, but not to sailors. They said they were never exposed. There's nothing, nothing there. So, so my, my thing was to put them in what they call brown water, which is very limited. When I went to look, there were no deck logs for one year. The National Archives came back to me and said that they were missing and classified. Well, I'm a PhD, I'm a doctor, and I, I thought, wait a second, how could it be missing and classified? That just piqued my interest even more. So I started this crusade to start to, to, to interview sailors. I just picked up the phone. Now, here I am, they don't know me. I picked up the phone, called them all over the United States. And I said, can you tell me where you were? Well, you know, I get off the phone. I had many, many tearful, tearful times because I get off the phone and after talking to them, they would all begin by telling me I was 18 years old and I've never told anyone this, never. And they told me. Well, I started to put their stories together. And I thought, oh my God, these poor sailors. And I cried with them and, and we, we, we kept on moving on and moving on and going forward. Well, pretty soon by happenstance, again, my life has been full of luck. Um, this woman uh, who I talked to in Blue Water Navy had a toothache and she couldn't address my question. So she said, I'm going to pass you on to this other gentleman. And he can help you. So this gentleman from Colorado, and I start talking, he asked me one question. He said, why can't you get the death logs? So I sat down and I wrote him. It was the first time in five years, because I had a secret for five years. I told him what I knew. Never had I told anyone before. He took, he, he took what I did. I put it all together. I put a package together. They took it up to Dr. Shulkin, the head of the VA, and they took it to the CIA. Yes, the CIA confirmed it. Dr. Shulkin approved benefits for the 350 men on the ship wow. and myself. Good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What wow. an incredible story. And, and, and Joanna, I, I'm just, I must ask, I mean, when you're picking up the phone and you're calling all these soldiers and, and um, a lot of them, I mean, my own dad is a veteran, so I know that some of the dramatic experiences that he's witnessed. Um, how was it you were able to get these soldiers to open up about something so traumatic? Well, how, 
it sounds like it, it, it was easy for them to open up to you because that's just who you are. But was there, how, how it had did to be the that? hand of God? It had to be because it, you know, my, my significant other said, why do they tell you? I said, I have no idea. The only thing is that I've been there with them. I understand them and I'm not there to judge them. There's no penalties for them. They had to tell someone and I happen to be the person there. Wow. Sounds dramatic, huh? Yeah. That's... We went through five extremely um, dramatically years. Wow, five years. <clears throat> that is really a crusade in the true sense of the word. Well done, Joanne. It, it didn't stop then. It didn't stop then because after we got the benefits, they came back to me and they said, please tell our story. Okay. Yeah. And I laid in bed many nights, 2 a.m. in the morning, getting up, pacing, saying, how could I tell their story? How could I do this? So... Um, I decided that I had to tell their story. They got my benefits and made my life easier for the rest of my life. Even though I got them their benefits, it was a symbiotic relationship. And I needed to share their story. So um, I sat down one night and I started to write. And I wrote it as fiction. It's historical fiction. But um, if anyone ever... See, I when I was going through... 50 years with my husband, I never realized he had PTSD or the exposure to Agent Orange. And I thought, I'm a doctor. I, I'm in, in the medical field. I know a lot about medicine. And if I don't know, what about the wives that have no idea? Yeah. So I wanted to, to, to share that so that other people could see what it's like. A lot of people, when they read the book, can't read it. I've had people say, that's my life. And how did you know? And so it's a sad book, but it shows what PTSD is mm -hmm. and what Agent Orange does. Wow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, is, yeah, that is incredible. And, and I think we're finding that um, more and more is being known about the prevalence of PTSD and the effects thereof um, as, as every year that goes by because uh, I was in a different part of the world. I served in the military for part-time for 10 years in our terrorist war in Africa. And we didn't even talk about PTSD. Um, you know, it was very small compared to Vietnam, but it was still pretty savage and, and quite ugly. But uh, it, it was just not even considered. You were told to just, you know, suck it up and get on with your life sort of thing, which fortunately most of us did. But no, it seems that it did affect many of us in ways we're not sure of. I'm going to switch gears and ask you something. How did you find going back to school as, as now you're a married woman with children and uh, a mature student is the way they term it, I think. And you're going back to school with people yeah. probably similar age to your, your own children. How did that work? Wow. You know, what an experience for me. Um, I was fortunate enough to work for IBM. Right. And IBM, IBM had benefits for for going back to school, they pay for everything. I thought, I can't resist this. Sure. So um, at night, um, I would finish my job, and then I would go to school. And it was funny because I remember the first night that I came home after I had an accounting test. 
And my two teenage boys were waiting for me at the door. And they said, we want to see your test. How did you do? (laughs) (laughs) And I ended up with a B. And they said, that's not good enough. We need to get an A. So so we'll do the dishes for you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And uh, I'm sorry, Kathleen. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you, so you have a PhD. You have a, what is your PhD in? It's organization and management. Wow. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I'm addicted to education. I tell you, I think it's the best thing in the world. Um, I, I felt like I was the first woman in my family to get my master's. And now I have many other women in my family who have master's degrees. Very good. They still won't go for the PhD, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Quick, quick one. Um, when you were moving and your, your boys were, were young, uh, did you feel, because you were strong in education, did you feel that gave them some advantages over, over young youngsters who had never moved, had always lived in the same environment? You know, Peter, that's a great question, because in the beginning when we were doing that, I thought, oh, my gosh, they're not going to have any stability. Matter of fact, I didn't work. I stayed home because I felt that they needed some stability. However, as they grew up and they got older, I thought this was the best education they could ever have because they, they saw so much and yes. they knew things. Um, and and they, 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 were, they were all over the country. So it's like now they say to me, Mom, you know, how, how can we do this for our children? <laughs> and I yeah. said, you know, we were lucky. So, um, but does that answer your question, Peter? It, it does, and it ties in with what one of our guests um, a couple of weeks ago, Verna, um, she and her husband worked in IT, and they were able to work remotely. So they took, what was it, six years, Kathleen? They traveled all over the state. They were Canadian, but they came down to your country and traveled all over the states as far as Hawaii in a camper van, and then went mm-hmm. to Europe and bought, I think they took their camper van with them and traveled over Europe for altogether six years. And they said they didn't homeschool their kids. They world-schooled their kids. And they, they said, looking back, looking back, the kids were really appreciative of what they learned on those trips. So, yeah, thank you. But, you know, it continued because um, I have now, this year, or last year, finished my seventh continent, putting feet on all seven continents. Have you and really? That was a goal for me, yes. Yeah, well um, done. When, well I was done. Nine, when I was nine years old, um, my father used to, and I used to read the Funkin' Wagnall Encyclopedia. Do you remember that? I mean, yep. it was this S&H Green Stamp Savings. <laughs> um, and, of course, he always would question me on it. And the very first ones that we talked about was Antarctica. And so yep. from nine years old, I dreamt about going to Antarctica. So um, after my husband passed away and um, I had a, I met this other gentleman and um, he was a world traveler who sailed um, the South Pacific for four years. And wow. On a, I know, yes. So he was just as adventurous. He said, let's go to, to, to Antarctica. We went on an expedition on a, um, a, on a Russian, summer, a Russian uh, boat and um, a spy ship, basically, because they showed us what they did. Yeah. And um, it was with all academies. And oh my God, it was so exciting. And it made us aware of our carbon footprint. And we came back and we now live in an all solar home because we don't want to affect our Earth anymore. Mm-hmm. Wow, Antarctica, that's good. Antarctica, my goodness. So, so what was your favorite? What's ha- what has been your favorite place then? 
Antarctica? It just like, okay, so Antarctica, when, now what is it about Antarctica? I hear that people who've been, I mean, it's so, there's, it's the silence. It's the mysticism of it. When mm. you go there, you have to go through the Drake Passage. The seas were 47 feet high and the winds were 74 miles an hour to wow. pass the Drake Passage. And so it's an experience, but you know, as soon as you see your first iceberg, all of that goes away. And you are just mesmerized by Antarctica and the different faces of it. Yeah. So ah. it's, it's really just a sight to see. And then when you put feet on the ground, oh, that was so exciting. Amazing. And how long were you there? Well, we were there for um, 10 days. So we did, we did, we, we, we put feet on the ground twice a day for 10 days. And the, the temperature was 34 and the water was 34. And uh, the vistas were unbelievable, just unbelievable. You never saw vistas like you saw there. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it was quite exciting. Yeah, I bet it was. Wow! And uh, while you were on on travel, you you also mentioned on your uh, bio that you went on a safari in Africa. And of course, I lived in Africa practically all my life until a few years ago. So, whereabouts did you go on safari? Well, we went to um, we, we went. Uh, we went to Kruger, uh, Kruger National Park. Kruger, um, right? Kruger, yes. And um, but what what we what we do when we travel is, and we, we both just like to travel. We we're both retired professors, so when we go there, we split it up, and we do half of it would be cultural. So like we had dinner with the family in um, Cape Town, and mm -hmm. they cooked us dinner. They cooked ten of us dinner, and we integrated with them. And then we went to on safari. And of course, safari, oh my God, you've lived in Africa. You know what it's like when you see a leopard just right next to you or yep. an elephant that's, that thinks that you're their mate. <laughs> you know? it's, um, it's so spectacular. And then you know that they're free, that they're not caged yep. and that they roam all over. Um, so my experience on safari, I'm going back <laughs> and um, I haven't finished, I haven't finished that yet. And the Serengeti is next. Oh, yes. That'll be good. That'll be good. I was very fortunate that when I was doing my military service in Rhodesia, as it was at the time, I walked to the Wanky National Park, which I think oh. is the, after the Kruger is the second biggest wildlife park in Africa. And I walked yes. almost, almost within touching distance of elephants with just four of us on patrol and uh, saw some amazing sights. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's lovely. Good. Mm -hmm. Kathleen, back to you. You wanted to ask Joanne something. Well, you know, as a published author now, what advice would you have for the up and coming authors? Do you have any advice for them? Oh, gosh, follow your heart. Follow your heart and, and write from your heart um, because you can't, you can't do it unless, you're, you're, unless it's coming from within. You know, I was up at 2 a.m. in the morning, every morning writing, and I asked other authors, what time do you get up to write at the best 2 a.m.? And, and it, it just seems that that's, that's the time for me that things flow. And I would, I would go and I'd go to bed and then I'd start dreaming about, about something. I'd say, this dream is coming to me. I need to, I need to put it down. And that's what this book is about. This is about all of the people. I have, I have, a, I have a photographic memory, so I, I didn't even take notes. I just remember all of the experiences that the sailors told me about. And um, if you've read my book, you know that they're, they're pretty, pretty sincere. 
Yeah, very good. Very good. Oh, my goodness. Now, how, how was it that you were able to, um, to get it out there to the public? How, how, what was your way of marketing to get it out? You know, my, my, life, my life is fortune. I'm telling you, I'm so blessed. Just absolutely so blessed. Um, it, it seemed like my son was reading uh, Jim Strauss's uh, things, and he goes, Mom, why don't you contact them? He did. And then I got a whole chuck. And mm-hmm. then Nancy and this yep. group just grew. And it was like, they all, they all believe in this philanthropic being of paying back and giving to people. And that's what this whole thing was about. And that's what my, my, I said, if only one person reads this book and is helped by it, I've accomplished, I've met my goal. And uh, so that's, that's, that's how I got into this group and how fortunate, how fortunate. Yeah. Peter, you might want to mention to our viewers and to Joanne as well of, about our upcoming guests, um, Alan and Tara Kinerva, who are specialists in trauma and PTSD. That's right. They'll be on uh, Thursday of this week, I think. And then, of course, we'll be on YouTube and our podcast channel. And they, as Kathleen says, they are specialists in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. And they do a huge amount of work in counseling people who are, have suffered from PTSD and some for, or, or other forms of stress. So that's going to be a good one for people to watch. And um, our, our little group, starting with Nancy, has grown and grown because we've had uh, Chuck on the show. We had Anthony Mikowski, publisher, last week. Uh, later on, very soon, we're going to have Lou and Karen McIntyre. And uh, who else have we got? We've got Diane Stevenson coming up in the not-too-distant future. I don't think we have a date for her yet. And a few others that Nancy has mentioned. So it's a really good group to to be involved with. And uh, I try and get on Chuck's call on a Monday evening when I can. I can't always make it. And that's always good value too. Uh, <clears throat> a quick one. We've got a little bit of time left, Joanne. Did you go to any other countries in Africa? Um, we just went to to. Johannesburg, excuse me, Johannesburg, South Africa. Is South Africa, okay. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, watching out the governments and what was happening and everything. Uh, example, we just got back from Australia um, like four, four months ago. How wow. lucky were we yes. to break that window? You know, between the fires yep. in Australia yep. and virus, we were the so virus. fortunate. Just so fortunate. Um, That's right. So, yeah, so, it, you know, we just traveling. We don't love tra- traveling, and we're waiting for our next trip. Can't wait for this to all free up, and then let's get going again. Get going. And see the world, because that's how you learn and, uh, and love it. Just love it. Abs- absolutely. absolutely. And so you, your next one going to be the Serengeti in Africa or somewhere else? That's, well, that, we're waiting for the Serengeti because I have to see the migration. I yes. have to see that. And both, we, both, we both are photographers, too, so um, our walls are filled with the places that we've been and the photographs that we took and um that's how our house is filled with you know um, i don't know if you can see but in the back i have a, i have a, my zebra friend up there um yep. and uh and you know we we just uh we, we just put our house um as as a place for where we've been memories for where we've been right very good very good Kathleen, have you got any more you want to ask jane i i have one is is yeah. there is there another book in the pipeline oh yeah <laughs> You know, I say no, but other people say yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope there is. And how can how can our listeners um, contact you 
they could get onto your website if they want to buy your book or is it on yeah. Amazon? It's on Amazon and they can also get on my website, um, uh, HTTP. Yes. Uh, colon forward slash forward slash Joanne Nesbitt.com. And uh, they can go there. If they have questions, they can email me. And it's uh, Joanne, J O A N N E, 2887 at att.net. And I'll be happy to answer any questions. Okay. We will, <clears throat> for our viewers, if you didn't catch that, it'll be on the underneath your video here on the on the screen on youtube you can pick it up from there it will also be in the description on both the podcast channel and youtube joanne thank you so much that's uh, really interesting talking to you and uh, we really enjoyed that so to everyone thank you very much and until next time that's the end of this episode of the yakking podcast <laughs>